Welcome to Live, Love, Lead, the podcast where we explore the art of living authentically, loving sincerely, and leading boldly. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. This episode, we're going to be talking about part two of progressing in spite of your struggle. And we're looking at blessed and burdened. In the first episode, I spoke about how we have two types of struggles. We have the private struggles and we have the public struggles. In that one, private struggles are simply struggles that you, no one knows what's going on. Just you, potentially a few close people around you. But nonetheless, the way you relate with that struggle impacts your life. How you relate with people the level of success, fulfillment, peace, joy you enjoy in your life. And in this episode, I'm going to be zoning into public struggles because all of us have had public failures, things that are happening in our life that we would rather not have happened and certainly would rather they didn't happen in view, full view of everybody else. Let me give you a very practical example of this. Years ago, I was working in a bank and there was a big presentation that needed to be delivered. It was going to be delivered to guests from the bank and then some quite senior people in the bank. This was a point in time where I had transitioned from being an investment banker into human resources. As usual, I put up my hand, I said I could do it. I was so pumped, so excited. Now, I have to be honest, and this is a bit of a side, a side point. Me wanting to give the presentation was totally selfish. <laughs> I just wanted to be, I wanted the stage. I wanted to be in front of people. I wanted to impress. I felt it was going to be a way to fast track my career. Was I the best person to give the presentation in terms of experience? Probably not. But anyway, I pushed for it. And when people said, hey, yeah, yeah, go for it, I thought they were being nice. So I thought I was particularly influential. Turns out most people did not want to give that presentation to that audience. Anyway, come back to the point. D-Day, the presentation time comes. They announce and Uche steps up to the stage. When I look at everybody, this room is cool and nice. I break out in a cold sweat. I've never given a presentation like this to this audience and this level of senior people. I begin to panic. Do I have notes? Absolutely. My notes are in front of me. I start to speak. My voice is weird. My throat is dry. I am not making much sense. I look down on my notes to, you know, get back into gear. Guess what? It blurs in front of me. (laughs) I'm shifting the notes around as though I'm, you know, trying to find a particular point. That was me trying to buy time and just wish that the floor will open and swallow me whole. It was a disaster. At some point, one of the senior people steps out. And when I mumble my way and just round it up, knowing that I haven't made much sense and Certainly for the guests of the bank, I have put the, I've shown the bank in such a bad light. One of my colleagues drives the knife in even more. (laughs) She walks up to me and effectively says, that was really bad and you're done. There's no way you're going to come back from this 
dismal performance. It was such a public failure. Uh, I didn't want to go to work the next day or the next week or the next month. But this is the point. How did I deal with that public failure? Because how we deal with public failures or public struggles determines how we move forward. So there, there are two main ways we can negatively deal with public failures or public struggles. The first one is that we internalize it. What do I mean by that? I could have left that presentation and labeled myself as a bad presenter. Like I don't know how to present. I don't know how to do public speaking. It is not for me. Just you're bad. You're a bad presenter. That's not what I did, thankfully. <laughs> I realized that as Zig Ziglar said, he said, failure is an event, not a person. So I messed up that presentation. Facts. There's no trying to sugarcoat it. But that does not make me a bad presenter. So that's the first thing you need to ask yourself. Some of the public struggles and public failures you've had, are you internalizing it? The second one that some people do when it comes to public struggles is they try to protect themselves. They say something like, I am never going to put myself in that situation again. What does protecting yourself look like? Protecting yourself looks like playing it safe, not taking risks anymore. That's what protecting yourself looks like. But I have news for you. Playing it safe is not playing the game at all. <laughs> you don't play it safe and win, right? You play it safe and you lose, quite frankly, when it comes to the game of life and succeeding. I'll give you an example. I once coached a leader who made a bad decision. And this decision, he didn't make a bad decision because of me. <laughs> he just made a bad decision. He made a bad decision and this decision resulted in, in, in failure. The business lost money and it was quite public for the entire business to know that this was a bad decision made by him and money has been lost. What happened? The leader began to second guess himself. He became indecisive. Before he makes another decision, he wants to get all the information. And even after all the information that is available, that he has asked for, is provided, what does he do? He wants more information. That indecision began to affect the business even more than the bad decision he made. Eventually, the leader was let go. So, how are you interacting and relating with your public failure? Let me give you a very famous example of how to bounce back when it comes to public failures. And it's none other than Steve Jobs. I love him in terms of what he has brought to us and the impact he had on the world. At 20, Steve Jobs and the other Steve start Apple. And in 10 years, by the time Steve Jobs was 30, Apple was a $2 billion company for thousand employees and of course he was on all manner of covers of magazines he then goes and hires another executive thinking that for the size of this organization and so that we continue to scale let me get someone who can lead this organization with me that's a humble thing to do a lot of leaders can learn from him unfortunately as the business continued 
there was disagreement between him and this new CEO, new executive. And the board sides with the new executive and Steve is fired from the company that he started. He said he wanted to leave Silicon Valley because everybody knew what had happened. He even felt like he had to apologize to the next generation of entrepreneurs for failing them. He could have run away. He was already a millionaire. But is that what Steve Jobs did? No. A few months passed and that's an important thing to learn. I'm not going to make it seem for Steve or me or anybody else like you just bounce back. No, it's kind of like a coming back, right? There's a period of time where you might hide your face, you know, for months even, and then you begin to, you know, bounce back eventually. What did Steve do as he began to bounce back? He founded two companies, Next and Pixar. Pixar is the company that brought us Toy Story. And as far as I know at the time, the highest grossing animation movie at the time and potentially ever. And then he also had Next. The turn of events in Apple meant that Steve was brought back to Apple and one of the technologies that Next had created was what was used in Apple, in the new Apple computer. What a comeback. And Steve is an example for you and I on how to deal with our public struggles. And so one other key element that we're going to quickly address when it comes to dealing with public struggles is shame. There's a story of a failed trader. He committed fraud and it was found out and he was sent to prison. That's a sad story if that is how it ended. I'm telling you the story because of how he bounced back. I'll tell you that at the end. But for now, one of the words that he used to describe the experience was shame. And shame is something all of us have experience with. Dr. Brené Brown, who is a very popular shame researcher and vulnerability researcher, describes shame in in a simple statement that says, effectively, I am not enough. Oftentimes, public struggles, public failures, give us a sense of inadequacy and make us feel like we are not enough. In the last episode, I spoke about how we compare the kitchen of our lives with the front room of other people's lives. And so when we have public failures and public struggles, many times we forget that everybody has public failures and public struggles, even if we are not privy to some of them. What is shame? Shame is different from guilt. And I want to make that distinction for your benefit. In case you are being crippled by shame and you're not living your full life. Guilt says, I feel bad for something. Shame says, I'm a bad person. Guilt says, I'm sorry I made a mistake. Shame says, I'm a mistake. And one of the key things about shame and guilt is that shame thrives when it comes to secrecy and being silent and judging yourself quite harshly. Have you ever heard someone, it could even be you, you hear what the person is saying about themselves and you wonder like, why are you being so critical to yourself? 
I dare say look in the mirror because we do that to ourselves often, being very harsh, very critical, very judgmental about ourselves. And if a friend came and a friend gave us the same context of what they did, we will show them the biggest antidote to shame. We will give them, if we are good people, we will give them empathy, which is the antidote to shame. And so in the rest of this episode, I want to just talk about how do we overcome shame. Number one is don't be silent. Be vulnerable. Speak to someone. I don't mean you should go and broadcast it to any, just about anybody. No, a trusted friend, somebody who you know cares about you. And quite frankly, like the failed trader, even if it was your mistake and you messed up big time, a trusted friend will still listen to you and can still empathize with you even if they hold you to account and tell you the truth that you messed up. That's what a friend will do. So don't be silent. Because once you expose it, it begins to lose its grip on you. Number two, be empathetic with yourself. Be your own friend. Be kind to yourself. And number three, you need to have the right mindset about the public failure and or the public struggle. So what is the right mindset to have when it comes to dealing with shame? Number one, you will progress past this public struggle. This is not the stopping point. It's simply a stepping stone. Number two, you have to become an inverse paranoid. What do I mean by that? I learned this concept from a man called W.N.M. Clemenstone. And he said that whatever situation he has in life, particularly negative adverse, bad situations, failures, he will ask the question, what is the opportunity that exists in this for me? Become an inverse paranoid. Now let's get back to the failed trader example. What did he do? He went to prison. <laughs> there are consequences for bad decisions. But when he came out of prison, he didn't put his head in the sand and cower and kind of retreat in shame. No, he came back strong actually. I met or became aware of him because he was doing a training for the company my wife works in. And what was the training? It was how to spot people who are likely committing fraud. <laughs> he was using his experience excellently. So he had two trainings I believe. One is spotting the fraud and the second was empowering people who have the temptation to commit fraud not to commit the fraud. The fact that you never actually wake up as a respectable employee, entrepreneur or person and decide I'm going to commit fraud. Some people do, criminals, hardcore, but most good people don't. They just find themselves one mistake after the other and before they know it, you know, they are in too deep. And so he found the opportunity in the mess. Number three, and probably my favorite, you win or learn, you never lose. If there's any mindset that helps me move forward, it's this one. I win or I learn, I never lose. Because even if I fail or I lose, in quote, I would learn from it, use it, and move forward. It's amazing. People love to hear your shame 
and your problems. <laughs> I travel around the world speaking and when I share stories of my failures, my mistakes and what I learned from them, that is what gets people most interested. And the final point is this, it's okay not to have it all together. It's okay. Recently, I was at a conference and when I went to the conference, I was new to this community of executive coaches. And I went there with a sense of feeling the need to prove myself. I wanted to show I deserve my seat at the table. And we had a first day meeting, a group of us. And in that group, that's when I came up with this statement. It's okay not to have it all together. There was one woman who was older. She's had a very distinguished career in financial services. And then she transitioned after she finished that into coaching. And she was just like one of those like godlike people when it comes to your profession. But in this amazing achievements that she had, she had accomplished, she was so vulnerable. She showed that she still made mistakes. She showed that there's still some things she's trying to figure out. She was open to feedback. She wasn't trying to feel like, make it feel as though, you know, she was perfect and come and learn from me. And I said to myself, if she can do that, then I'm going to give myself permission. And now I'm giving you permission to accept the fact that it's okay not to have it all together. Of course, you're going to do your best. Of course, you're going to prepare and always try to give your best shot. But know that nobody, nobody on the face of this has it all together. So stop trying to live to an ideal that is impossible to reach. This is the final thought I will leave you with. Also accept the fact that success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. The progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Uche did a presentation and messed up badly. Uche now is flown around the world to deliver speeches and to train and raise leaders that people want to follow. I am not where I started. I've made progress and I continue to make progress. I invite you to give yourself the same gift of progressing towards your most successful self. If this podcast has been useful to you, please comment, like, subscribe to the page and pay it forward. Share it with somebody else. I'll see you at the next episode. Stay blessed. Thanks for joining us on Live, Love, Lead. Keep living authentically, loving sincerely, and leading boldly. And until next time, stay blessed.